Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm Craig and I'm the founder of Scottish Football Forums and this week we've got a, a three-man podcast. I'm joined by Chris. Good evening Chris. Hi Craig, nice to be back again. Hi, good to have you back and we're also joined by Greg. How we doing lads, how we doing? Uh, second week in a row here so obviously follows I'm going to be missing next week, two on one off so make the most of it. <laughs> <laughs> You're still down as a special guest, Greg. Still as a special guest, mate. Yep, still got a week off, every one and every three. And Laurie's still taking a sabbatical, so we're not going to... Has he not finished that, it's not finished that homework of his yet? No, I'm glad he hasn't because he'd be on here gloating about the, about the victory at the weekend <laughs> and I, I don't know if I could handle it. <laughs> I had a, a wee bit of banter from him on Twitter earlier this evening. Oh, he's talking about Ian Black, man in the match this, man in the match that, off. Oh. No, I don't know if I could handle it. He would drag out the, the Hearts game for about an hour. Oh, we'll get to it. Yeah. So, first up, we had a, a friendly last week, Slovenia against Scotland. And despite it being a friendly, uh, the game finished in a draw, which is one each, which does help with our FIFA rankings. So, I guess it's job done for that. Uh, Slovenia were, were a bit ahead of us in the rankings. So, aye, it was decent. I didn't watch the whole game. I was watching on Primetime Live. I think I watched uh, the first half and then the first half of the second half. James Forrest really impressed me. Going down the left, he, he looked very dangerous. He, he didn't get too much opportunity to do that. I'm not sure, maybe it's just because he's, he's fresh into the squad and maybe the players don't know what to expect from him. But I think that maybe when he gels in a bit more, that they'll, they'll give him more of a chance. And, and I think he's he's going to be a very good prospect for Scotland. We, we all know what he can do with Celtic and if he can take that into the international team, it'll be, be really good. Mulgrew seems solid in his debut, and I think that he could make that left-back slot his own for future games. Uh, well, I'm not too impressed with the, the right-back. I think it was someday Martin. Was it Russell Martin? Uh, I think he was uh, the boy that was almost at fault for the goal. Oh, yeah, he was He was very slack when the, the ball came in. He was, he was almost waiting for the ball to land on his head, and the, the attacker just jumped and, well, got the goal. So yeah, disappointing for that. I thought that... Uh, who, who scored El Gore again? I can't remember. Anyway, the, the goal was good. It was scored from about the... Oh, Christoph Berra. That's it, aye. Scored from the about the penalty spot out. It was a pretty solid header. Decent way to come back. But as I say, I, I stopped watching about halfway through the second half. It just wasn't a very exciting game. It wasn't a very good advert, really, for international friendlies. Did either of you watch it? I never know. I, I was playing football that night and I kind of heard the bit of the first half on the way back. So I heard the two goals in the radio. And then when I got home, I found that the it was on medium wave, so I couldn't even get the, the game on my my iPhone app. So I ended up just watching one of the games that was on Sky Sports. It was the, the Northern Ireland-Norway uh, game I watched. No, I, I didn't see it. Um, I didn't listen to it. And uh, oh, I didn't read about it either. <laughs> uh, just total pish total, total pish what a waste of time I, I couldn't even tell you who was playing uh, as you just heard I couldn't tell you who scored I, if you'd pushed me on I'd been struggling to tell you what the score was so come on <laughs> I got another another Scotland threat and I'm here in the day we've, we've arranged another one against Luxembourg yep, yep. yep looking forward back. to that that'll be great oh, hold me back another, another mouth watering one and there's oh, also well. one against is it Australia which has been played at Easter Road, which is a bit surprising. 
Jamaican Easter Road or something. Yeah, like that, so I'll not be going through for that. Sorry. Anything <laughs> to try and fill that stand at Easter Road. Try it. Oh, they were picking it up when they got the the East stand redeveloped. They were talking about how I don't know what Star Stadium there was, but they were saying it was uh, maybe the fourth the fourth stadium in the country after Hamden, Ibrox, Celtic Park, and, and talking about how they could stage such events. So it's the first one that I know of, anyway. The biggest one that they've had. So they, they might fill it. But against Australia, I don't know, midweek, I'm not sure. It'll be good um, it'll be good practice for Hibs when they're hosting Clyde next season, you know, staging these big games at Easter Road. It's well worth the, well worth the hassle, isn't it? So we, we made some some predictions for the, the game itself, and I went for a 4-0 victory to Scotland. Mm, a little bit optimistic. <laughs> Greg, you went 0-0, and Chris, oh, you right. went 1-0 to Scotland. But I'm not too sure if we were taking it too seriously. Really, no. no. <laughs> right, and on the SPL on Saturday, the lunchtime kickoff was Aberdeen against Celtic. Celtic's 17-game SPL winning streak had to come to an end, and it did at Pataudry. I thought that the Celtic edged the game overall, but Aberdeen were pretty gritty. And in the second half, they looked very threatening. I think they, they could have won it. Maybe n- near the end, they had a, a few chances go pretty close. There was a there was a few comments on the on the forum about how how the game itself was pretty dull, but I thought it was pretty pretty exciting. I thought the second half, especially near the end, I was watching it as a as a Rangers fan, and I guess I did have one one result in mind that I was I was maybe hoping for, but I also had fifteen pound on a Celtic win, so. I was kind of mixed feelings towards the end of who I wanted it to win, but well, that's £15 down the pan for me. I thought Stokes did really well for his goal. I thought it was a really tight angle. I thought he'd maybe taken it a bit too wide, but when when you're on that kind of form and you're that kind of that kind of striker, you're going to be able to squeeze it in from there. I, I definitely I couldn't have done that. I would have had it wide myself. And Blackman for his for his own goal. I thought it was a bit harsh. I thought that the the way the ball came in, you've got to stick your foot out. You you can't let that that run in front of you. So, yeah, I I wouldn't blame him for that one goal. But it was an interesting one because it, it did look like a almost like a good shot. So, Greg, are you are you pleased for for Brown? <laughs> it's one of these Celtics. Um, Celtics are, I suppose, had to come to an end at some stage. But to be honest, I, I didn't really see it happen against Aberdeen, but. A fair play to them, but I'll give Brown his due. He certainly seems to have um, showed things up a wee bit Aberdeen in terms of keeping it tight at the back, and I think that was reflected in Saturday's game there. Uh, I noticed a couple of people raving about uh, Gavin Ray's performance. They were saying he was um, he was outstanding for Aberdeen. Certainly, he looked um, he looked apart just based on the highlights. A couple of times he he got the ball. But again, Celtic uh, Celtic game. I thought they were looking pretty good as well. I thought Stokes finished his. He finished his goal really well, although Reynolds was maybe caught sleeping a wee bit when the through ball um when the through ball appeared and I mean I, I think Aberdeen were only really gonna score with some sort of flick because that that shot um was was heading the corner flag before uh, for Big Blackman got a touch on it. So I I mean it's the, the run had to come to an end and I suppose Aberdeen are as are as worthy of a point as anybody else. But the one thing I did notice from from watching the highlights, and I thought it was it was quite interesting and but interesting. To Chrissy's point of view on this was a couple of times the um, during the game they sort of showed Lennon on the bench, 
and he was obviously you know, he was losing the big time, and I think I think it just reinforces even though the league's all but done. Well, let's be honest, it is done. Yeah. You still get that drive and that determination to demand that his teams going out and winning these games. And I, th- I thought, you know, as a if you're a Celtic supporter's um, position, I think that's a really encouraging thing to see. He's not just he's not just expecting his side to coast it to the end of the season. He's clearly demanding that they go out and go out and get three points and beat these teams. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I would say that we're quite happy to see uh, the teams fighting for every victory that they can get and every game. It doesn't matter how unimportant it is. Having said that, the the team lineup was a bit of a, a surprise with uh, two debutant fullbacks and uh, Michael Lustig and Andre Blackman. Um, I've got to admit, when we when we discussed the the game on last week's podcast, I was thinking two 0 should be a fairly competent performance. And as the week went on, I thought about it a bit more, and I thought, is it going to really be that easy? And I was writing my my Lost Boys blog for on Friday, and and it was they haven't scored many goals but they haven't conceded many goals they went about three months and there was only one game in that three month run there was any more than two goals scored in the either side it's all sort of one nils and one eighties and two ones and then there's a four nil against Forfa. so it's not something you kind of expect to see yeah. when it's a scottish cup game between two teams that are that far apart so by the time i got up to aberdeen i was i wasn't too confident in us getting the three points and when i seen the team i was thinking have we made too many changes? I think the probably the most crucial one was the, in the midfield where we were for some bizarre reason we were playing Charlie Mulgrew alongside Joe Ledley. And uh, I think we probably missed Scott Brown again, just as we did against Motherwell the previous week. And this week we were missing uh, Victor Wanyama as well. And I think that the game reflected that. I don't think we really dominated at any period until Wanyama came on in the last 15, 20 minutes. So what was wrong with Wanyama? Was he, was he left out because he was injured or was it just a freshening things up? I think he was just knackered. Apparently he was one of the ones that didn't get back until late on in Friday. Yeah. So obviously there was quite a few people away. I mean, Ki Sung Young was given a few days extra to come back. So he, I don't think he was even in the country when the game got played. And I know Neil Lennon was making a bit of the noises about the the 12 o'clock Saturday kickoff following the, the midweek international break. I can kind of see his point. But... Especially with the, got the international break, yeah. And oh, I remember Craig Burley going on about that as he was doing his commentating and he was oh, he's going on and on about it and how basically how managers should just keep quiet, players should just keep quiet and just get on with it because, oh, what's the, what's the difference? A couple of hours, there's no difference at all. Oh, it wasn't like that my day, blah, blah, blah. Oh, let's not talk about Craig Burley. Uh, well, you were at the game, eh? so you didn't you didn't hear him. But oh, I did. He went no, on. No, fortunately, he I'm went on quite happy. It. I'd never ever hear Craig Burley again. <laughs> the guy just annoys me. <laughs> this is a guy uh, I remember being absolutely delighted any time he scored. I certainly, I remember the the New Year game in 1998 when he scored against Rangers at the first goal. Obviously, Paul Lambert's goal was better that game. But and uh, just the the turnaround in that guy, you know. Last few years, just oh, I can't stand. I can't even stand his voice. I can't stand the guy's face. (laughs) 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 Moving on for Craig Burley. I thought like I thought the game itself was it was kind of stodgy, but that's kind of what you expect with a Craig Brown team these days. It was the same when he was the Scotland manager. They they were very hard to beat, but they were not that pretty, and they kind of maybe nicked a goal or two along the way and picked up the points and. It worked. I mean, it got us to Euro 96 and World Cup 98. Walter Smith and Bertie Volks and Alex McLeish and Craig Levine haven't managed that, so 
It's hard to follow. Are they unbeaten this season, uh, this year? That's... Aberdeen, yeah. I think it was December twenty fourth or something was the last time they were beaten. So that's so far that's two months of the year out of the way they've gone unbeaten and they've stuffed the third month pretty well as well. Getting that one each draw with us. Um I think the game itself to really say much about it. The, neither goalkeeper was troubled all that much. I don't think. Yeah, I mean right. our goal came from one of the few times we played the ball on the deck. I don't know why we kept humping the ball up in the air. We, we had this nasty habit of hoofing a ball at Gary Hooper. His defender would give him a give him a wee shove as he tried to control it. Craig Thompson would wave play on and we'd be another ball lost. I don't I, to be fair, it wasn't exactly the, the last time we were going to be talking about pushing and Getting away with it in the, tonight, I don't think. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. So the the game itself finished one apiece, and we all went for a, a 2 0 victory to Celtic. We're all fairly confident of an away win, and as I mentioned earlier, I had £15 on Celtic down the pan. I'm getting a bit worried with all this uh, gambling that's going on with certain members of this uh, this podcast team. If it's not <laughs> it's no lorry gambling next month's rent money and, and some <laughs> Argentinian in play. Next goal scorer, you're, you're hawking 15 quid in the Celts. That wasn't as bad as when I lost it, betting on Rangers to win. Aye, well, that's just crazy, isn't it? And, and then madness. they went 1-0 down to Kelly, and I fired more money on Rangers. Sucker for punishment. That's it, I, I was actually quite pleased, because I'm thinking, right, that's it, I'm going to get better odds now. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, so ne- next game up is Dunfermline against Motherwell, which Motherwell won 2-0. And Motherwell are keeping up their charge for second place in the SPL. I think it's safe to say that the third place isn't good enough now. I think it is going to be a fight for second against Rangers. And I think that we all expected a, an away victory in this one. I see it pretty much every every second week that Dunfermline they just they can't seem to win at home. They're, they're just it's the badness in them towards the, the season ticket holders. I just don't think they want to give them anything to cheer. And another thing that I seem to mention, and if I don't mention it, Laurie does, is Chris Smith. And once again, he made another mistake and gifted Higdon the first goal. It's similar to Jamie McDonald for Hearts when Davis managed to somehow squeeze the ball underneath his body. I'm not really sure how you get caught out like that, but Chris Smith was slightly worse because that was at his front post as well. The Fernland, although they, they never looked really threatening, they did have a fair few shots from us in the highlights, but they, they did all seem to be long-range efforts. But, well, a shot's a shot, and if you don't hit that, then you're not going to get a goal. For the Ajama, he scored the second goal, keeping up his impressive goal-scoring form. That's surely going to be catching the attention of maybe clubs down south. I know that he has only just signed, but I don't think you're going to get a, a better a better signing than that in the, the January transfer window. I think maybe Chris Commons last year was up there. But if a jammer keeps this up, it could be a similar signing. So, Greg, what's your thoughts on the game? And, and are you confident now in second place? Are you... I think, uh, having, having seen the... Well, I, I, I listened to the game on the wireless and then I watched it on BBC Alba. It was the, it was the half-five kick-off in Alba, so I'd, I'd uh, sort of taped it and watched it on the Sunday morning. And uh, to be honest, I, I think Dunfermline were a wee bit unlucky. Certainly in terms of the first half, it was really pretty poor from both sides. Maybe maybe Dunfermline just edging it in terms of looking the more likely to, to nick a goal. And saying that, there's only really a couple of chances I know. One from, I think it was Martin Hardy had a, had a shot from edge of the box, which, which Randolph managed to get a hand to and, and pull off quite a good save. And then the other end, Higdon had a really good chance, which, which to be honest, they should have been tucking away. But again, it's, he's fired into the keeper. So, I mean, at half-time, 
I've got to be honest, I wasn't I wasn't overly confident that we would uh, we would come away with the points. But as as I've seen in weeks gone by uh, with Motherwell teams, I'm not sure whether it is McCall centre at half time, whether it's a, a kick up the backside or whether it's maybe just a couple of pointers here and there or, or tweaking some of the tactics. But um, we came out second half and, and, and started much better than, than we did first half. To be fair, Deferland did as well. The, the, the first uh, 20 minutes of the second half uh, was pretty much end-to-end stuff. Nothing much in the way of clear-cut chances, but both sides were, were finally looking as though they were maybe going to make some sort of some sort of breakthrough. But as as you mentioned um, as you mentioned earlier there, Craig, that you know Motherwell's first goal came from I can only be described as a as a goalkeeping howler. The ball the ball's going from a jam in the left, and Higgins got a foot on it, but it's hardly a it's hardly a shot with any sort of great pace or drive. It's right down at the keeper's near post, and I, I, God knows it seems to have squirmed under him or squirmed through his hands and. Um, I, I think Higdon was as surprised as anyone that the ball found the back of the net. I don't know about if, if he was as surprised as Chris Smith. Did you see the look on his face after it? <laughs> oh, I, I, I think he's. Uh, I, I think he's almost single-handedly going to take Dunfermline down with him. You look at the reaction of some of his teammates as well, and and they were really they looked as though they were going to throttle him because see, up to that point, Dunfermline were still very much in the game. They'd, they'd been causing problems for us, and it was far from it was far from a done deal. But I think. That maybe took the wind out of their sails a wee bit because sort of 10, 15 minutes later we uh, we got the second one as you say it's a jam again with a with a cracking finish from the from the edge of the box and when it went to two 0 I, I think you could see by the reaction of the Dunfermline players that they were maybe um, they'd maybe chucked it a wee bit because the last the last 20 minutes or so it was all it was all mother one we could we could maybe have added to the uh, the scoreline as well with a series of six or seven corners in a row and a couple of shots for the edge of the box so in the end the result looks probably more comfortable than the um than the actual flow of the game maybe was but at this stage of the season you, you've you've got to um you've got to just win the games and that's that was one on saturday which i think in the game a lot of people were confident we would have got the points but you know until you get those couple of goals it's um it's never quite as straightforward as that but in terms of in terms of league positions I'm, i don't know if you'd asked me a couple of weeks ago i'd have been relatively Relatively confident of a uh, third place, but glancing at the table there before we come on, I can I can see Dundee United now sort of creeping up, and St Johnston are, are there as well with a game in hand. So, I mean, it's 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 far from done, uh, far from done and dusted, and we've got sort of big games coming up as well. But I'd like to think we've maybe got enough of a cushion that we could uh, we could certainly nick third place, but only time will tell, I suppose. Well, I think you remember. You... I don't know. I think Muller will probably get third place in the bag. I think it's too much to ask for Dundee United to call, call back. Is it 11 points or behind? Yeah, it's 11. So I think, I think Muller will probably get third place. I think second's still there for grabbing, but it's too much uncertainty about the Rangers at the moment to know what, what's going on there at the moment. So I think second, maybe third, probably. I think yeah, on I mean, the other end, Stumfermann are finished. Yep. It's the same old story with Dunfermline every time they're at home. They're just, they maybe have a few decent chances, won't take them, then they'll shoot themselves in the foot like they did with the, the first goal. I mean, you're not going to stop that second goal. That was It was wonderful work by Humphrey out wide before uh, he fed it to Ajama, but Ajama's shot, I think I've wrote my notes, pick it out. Yeah, yep. <laughs> So no phrase to describe it. Yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting. Cause it's one of these ones that um, I think I think Humphrey turned the game. To be honest, Chris, when they came on, because it was a it was a half-time substitution. Omar Daly had been on first half and huffed and puffed a wee bit, but didn't really make a lot of breakthrough. And Chris Humphrey's been on the bench quite a bit recently, so it was it was, it was good to see him getting 
45 minutes and he's, he's, he's obviously taken his chance well because I think he, he, he sort of transformed the game certainly in the last half hour but uh, in terms of uh, Yama's goals, you know, it's one of these from the from the edge of that box, which, you know, the ball's bobbling across the pitch. It, it um, the fellow isn't great either, so the ball's come across and it's bobbling up, and he's he's managed to catch it. Um, he's managed to flush it and put it straight into the top corner. Sometimes for these areas, these uh, these shots sometimes look more like crosses. But um, I think he was definitely he was definitely heading heading for the net with that one, but. Uh, Higdon as well. It's worth it's worth mentioning, even though his goal was a wee bit in the fortuitous side. I think that's him. That's him now in 14, 14 goals for the season. So for a guy who was getting a wee bit of stick earlier on in the season, and uh, at times kind of justified as well. Uh, he's certainly notching the goals up, and yeah, as I say, he could have had he could have had at least two on Saturday. I so I thought uh, we'd look at the the predictions that we made last week, and I went for a two 0 victory to Motherwell. So mm-hmm. I can sure I can be smug. I, can, I honestly can't remember the last time I got one right. So I'd like to just take a take a moment to reflect on this. <laughs> it has really been that long since I I couldn't even. It's, it's going to be weeks ago, maybe months ago. I I'm, I'm rubbish at this to be honest. Greg, you went two one Motherwell, so fairly close. And Chris, you went three 0 to Motherwell. So I think that was the only point I managed to get the entire weekend. With the possible exception of tonight's game. <laughs> oh yeah, I well you would have won a, a you would have got a point in tonight's game, yeah. But I, I there was there's a few surprising results to be honest. So the next game I've got up here is Hibs against St Mirren, which ended nil nil. I thought that the Hibs looked the better team from what I seen. Uh, Pat Fenlon was talking about after the game, he was talking about Hibs home form and how it has to improve. But I think with the amount of chances that they had, goals will come for them. I would be more concerned if the chances weren't there. So I I think I think it will come good if they keep that up, especially if they manage to keep Griffiths working like he does. They thought thought he put in a, a good shift once again. Uh, the the penalty incident when O'Donovan I don't think it was a penalty for me. I thought the the defender couldn't really get out of his way and O'Donovan he seemed to want to fall backwards. I've, I've bumped into people before and you don't bounce off them like that. The St Mirren claim that happened just afterwards, well, just afterwards in the highlights anyway, it seemed a bit of a stronger claim, but even then I don't think it was a penalty. So another Paul Band scoreline here, Chris. Did you enjoy watching the highlights? Um, the highlights weren't bad, actually. Like you say, it was it was pretty much Hibbs versus Craig Sampson yeah. and Sampson came out on top. I thought he was, by the looks of it, he was man of the match. He had some fantastic saves. There was a point blank save for Donovan at one point. It was just phenomenal. Um, I think St. Murren had a hassle bank effort at the other end. That was pretty much the only decent chance they had in the highlights from what I've seen. Yeah, I think that was it. That's that was pretty much all that I've seen in the, in the write up as well. So sometimes uh, the BBC highlights on online anyway, which is what I watch, sometimes they don't give you the full picture. But if the write up's seen the same, then yeah. But goals will come for Hibs, especially with the, the strike force that they've got. So I wouldn't be too concerned if I was Fenland, especially when he just needs to look across to Dunfermline and see how they're playing. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, like I've said it several weeks now, I think Hibs are going to be saved by Dunfermline. They're starting to turn things around, they're starting to get the goals. I don't think there's any shame in not scoring against St Mirren because St Mirren's last five games have been 4 0 nils and a win each with Aberdeen. So, they're not the only team to failed to score against St Mirren. I think Dundee United had say were one of those nil-nil games and it was exactly the same sort of story. It was uh, the, the goalkeeper had uh, such a great game that Dundee United just couldn't break their way through. 
I looked like a decent nothing each draw if, if, there is, if there is such a thing. And having seen Hibs a few weeks ago at Fir Park, I think I said in the, in the previous podcast, that going forward, it, they actually look pretty good at the moment. They look as though they're, they're going to cause, cause teams problems. And that was certainly the case on, on Saturday. And as, as Chris was saying earlier, other than for, for Samson, I think that would have been a, a pretty easy home win for the Hibs. Penalty claims, I agree with you, Craig. I, I don't think either one were, um, were particularly particularly strong claims. Um, and it was interesting that Fenlon on sports scene last night, he was in doing the sort of punditry in the in the studio, but um, in an act of genius, they decided to put his, uh, his record up on the screen in terms of games played and losses and draws. And <laughs> it, would, it didn't look very popular. It was a strange decision, because I thought, I'm not sure you want to be showing that in the uh, the big overhead. But he, he took it, to be fair, the guy took it in pretty good... Um, Pretty good faith, and I think if I, mean, I think if Ibs can stay up, which at the moment looks as though it's likely to happen, Baron, you're Baron Dunfermline finding an unbelievable run of form, then I think you might have the you might have the basis of turning it around there. But I think it was I think it may have been Laurie actually and Twitter sort of making the point that yeah, you know, a lot of the guys that he's that he's bringing in at the moment um, are sort of foreign players and short-term deals and short-term signings. So whether or not that's that's going to put a decent foundation for going forward might not be uh, might be in question. But as long as they as long as they accrue enough points to stay up this season, I think everybody at Easter Road will be breathing a sigh of relief and looking forward to next season to maybe building it a wee bit. So in the in the predictor for this game, I went for a one-one draw. So I would I got a point. Greg, you went for 2-2, so you would have got a point in the SFF predictor as well. And Chris, you went for a 2-1 home win, which, so zero points for you. I'm sure Laurie would have went for a home win as well, so he would not get any points. Aye. Oh, there's no doubt, he's a, he's a big Hibs fan, him. He is, I was, I was wondering if he's going to get a, a, a free seat when Scotland play at Easter Road. I don't know if it comes with a season ticket or not. <laughs> Not sure. We need, we need to get him on to ask him. So the next game up is a, a Kelly against St. Johnson, which is another, ended up another Paul Band, a nil-nil. I thought the St. Johnson looked the, the better of the two teams. Sandaza had a, a really good chance quite early on when he, he slid just in front of Cammy Bell and he didn't quite connect. But I wasn't really sure what Bell was doing because he seemed to be standing on his goal line just waiting for the ball to trickle to him. It seemed a bit bizarre. Dean Shields' penalty... It was it was horrible. It was it was tame. It was it was almost a pass back to the keeper, and even so, I don't know how the keeper spilled it. But I think Shields realised his, his mistake and and tried to make amends by going in a little bit recklessly for the rebound. Although I don't know why he was booked for it. I, I don't really understand. I guess I did use the word recklessly, and <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what makes it a booking. But yeah, I thought that was a bit harsh. And well, Kenny Shields himself wasn't too happy about the the sending offs. I thought that well, Dean Shields. I, I'm not really sure about the first booking, but the second booking, it definitely looked a dive for me. I don't think there was there was any contact at all from what I seen. Kenny Shields says differently, but but I disagree. Sheridan's first booking came when he kicked the ball away. I think he was offside, and I think it, it was stupid because he was he was quite far into the corner and and. Uh, he waited a few seconds before he booted away. I'm not really sure what he was thinking. And uh, the second one, second booking he got was for a, a dive again. But I don't know. The online highlights didn't really show you 
any contact. It was it was inconclusive. I don't know. Did the sports scene show you any differently? Did they have any close ups? Or it looked to me in sports scene like what had happened was if there was any contact at all, he stood in his foot. But I, if there's any contact, it doesn't really matter because it looked to me like Sheridan had thrown himself to the ground. So I would probably have booked him for. Well, I've got down. And I think uh, in my notes, I've got down that he went down like an old man. <laughs> That's probably right. Yeah. <laughs> I think. I mean, that added to his first booking for just stupidly booting the ball yeah. away. It was just wasn't a, wasn't a great day for Sheridan. It wasn't really a great day for Sandaza either. He seemed to be of a, an off day. Yeah. Just some horrific misses at times. And I think when I was driving back for Aberdeen at the time, and uh, I heard the open all mics, and they were saying Sandaza would deservedly get uh, substituted because he just he was just having a really terrible day. Um, I think of, of the two sendings off, Dean Shields is maybe the harsher of the two, just because the first booking, if he's booked him for the reaction rather than booking him for the challenge, I can understand it because I think the the keeper spilled it, so the ball's going to be played. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he really. It, there wasn't really a. I'm going to just take everything out kind of challenge. It was a, I'm going to try and get the ball. So I think if he's booked him for the reaction, maybe. But I uh, the, the the game itself. I think I, I agree with you. I think Sandaza should probably have, should probably wrap the points up. Uh, for St Johnson there, he, had, he, he, he certainly his first chance was was nothing short of a sort of a tapping. I'm not sure how he's missed it, and he had another one sort of five ten minutes after that as well. So it's, it's been obviously not a great day at the office for him, but he's um, it's just unusual because he's, he's 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 done really well for St Johnson this year. In terms of the in terms of the sentence off, I I don't I don't think Shields first booking. Um, should have been a booking, like Chris was saying there. The keeper spilled that ball, and yeah, he's maybe slid down a wee bit late, and maybe that's a fly kick at the at the keeper's upper arm. But if you look at the reaction of the keeper, he was yeah, he wasn't bothering. It seemed to be the um, it seemed to be the, the, the sort of defenders that were surrounding Shields and demanding that some sort of action was taken. So I think he's maybe I think they've maybe had him booked there. Uh, the second booking, you can't argue with that. It's a, it's a horrible dive. I mean, you're sitting there on a yellow card to do that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, it's idiotic. So I've got no uh, no complaints with the uh, the second one. Sheridan, I mean, it just beggars belief. If they were if they were dishing out red cards for being a fanny, he would be he would be front of the queue because that that <laughs> first booking, I've I've never seen anything like it in my life. I've I've seen players when they maybe get caught offside and they've rounded the keeper, knocking it into the back of the net, and then you know the, the yellow card comes out or a, or a petulant sort of nudge away of the ball, but he's fired it into the back row of the stand from about, about two yards away, so. No sympathy for, for Sheridan with his first one. And I the second one, it's a hard one to tell on the TV. There didn't look to be a great deal of contact. And he certainly looked as though he was going to be going down, um, going down regardless. So, I, again, you're sitting on a yellow card. You do that, you're walking a tightrope. And if the, the referee decides you're going down too easy, it makes it, um, it makes it easy for him to send you off and maybe even up the cards a wee bit in, in the uh, overall, overall course of the game. But... Uh, to be honest, I, I wouldn't have minded seeing Kelly nicking a nicking a goal at the end there and uh, taking the three points, but it keeps St Johnston in the chase. A point in there is not too bad, so they're still they're still hanging in there, still in touch with Motherwell if they win their game in hand. So I don't think they'll be too disappointed. No predictor, I'd went for a, a two two one victory to St Johnston. Craig, you went three 0 St Johnston, and Chris, you went two 0 So we were all wrong. And the the game uh, the game that I'm dreading covering is Rangers against Hearts, which finished two <laughs> one to Hearts. 
Well, get out of the way. They've done it first. Oh, we, we should way. have, yeah. Uh, this Rangers' <laughs> third home defeat in a row. If you include the, the defeat to Dundee United in the Cup, it's just it's a, a terrible run. Somebody, somebody was saying they've, they've not lost four. They've never lost four home games in a row. Is that right? I think so. Yep, yep. that was the same thing I heard. Yep. They've oh, lost oh, three oh. before. They lost three in 2001, I think it was. Because somebody was pointing out it was the last time Celtic won the treble. Was uh, that some kind of marker? Yep. But yeah, they've never they've never lost four home games in a row. So who's our next who's our next home game to? Ah, uh, believe it's Celtic, yeah. <laughs> so I was I was watching this game on my uh, legally purchased something <laughs> or other, and uh, Rangers were looking quite good. I thought I thought uh, was it Reese McCabe? I thought he, he was looked pretty impressive. And Rangers went ahead through Stephen Davis. Uh, I mentioned it earlier. Uh, he had a shot that managed to squeeze under Jamie McDonald's greasy grasp. <laughs> and then Bell Hearts levelled with a with a beauty of a goal from from Ian Black. Uh, I credit to him the way he took that. It was it was beautiful. I know that if... you couldn't say that any more grudgingly, <laughs> could you? <laughs> I know that if Laurie was on here, he would be going on about it. But but fair play, it was a really good goal. Then Hamill managed to complete the, the scoring from the spot. McGregor did a, a decent penalty save and then, and then tried to do a, a handstand. I think it was Chris Smith started the, the trend <laughs> early in the season. McGregor tried to do a handstand and he couldn't he couldn't handle the rebound. But yeah, going back a bit and uh, the penalty incident, I still haven't seen why the penalty was given. I'm not really sure what went on. I think it was Goyen oh. against Webster. Aye. I don't think Goyen was looking at the, the ball, looking at the cross as it came in, but I just couldn't see what he was doing. They kept showing replays of it, yet he was off the screen. So I, I, I just couldn't work it out. Supposedly, you could look at Webster's reaction and and, and know that it wasn't a penalty because he turned to walk away, but, but I actually want to see what happened. And... I'm none the wiser. I don't know if it was or it wasn't. It looked to me like he was trying to mount him, is the best way I can put it. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't see it. <laughs> it's one of, like, the, the sports scene feed was basically, it was very much at the edge of the screen, yes. so that's maybe why you weren't really able to see it. But it, 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 honestly, it looks like he's trying to mount him. He's got no interest in where the ball is, he's just watching his man and he's trying to mount him. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. It's it's just stupidity for Goyan. It's like you know the they've been saying a lot about how this thing always happens just about every corner. There's always defenders grabbing strikers yes. and strikers grabbing defenders. And I can agree to that to a certain extent, but then you get such silly manoeuvres like Goyan was pulling there, and it was the same in the, the League Cup semi final with Falkirk and Celtic. It's just when they make it so obvious, and it's, you're just right in front of the referee, you're just asking to get a penalty given against you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I thought I thought that I, I agree with you. I think I think it was a penalty because I think okay, fair enough. He's not looking at the ball coming in, and okay, that that happens quite a lot of the time. But if you if you look at it, if you study the BBC highlights and squint at the edge of the screen, I mean, he's 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 making no he's making no attempt to play the ball. All he's doing is simply blocking. Um, you're you're blocking the, the Hearts players' path, and I think like Chris was saying, if you do that, then 
if the referee sees it, and they will do in this case, it's not as if it's through a ruck of players. I mean, they're at the edge of the six-yard six box. It's pretty easy to see. I think you just make it a dead easy decision for the referee. And at the moment, with the, the with the woes that are piling on Rangers, then it's, um, you know, they're maybe a wee bit easy target at the moment. So I think the referees get that one right. So what about the, the McCulloch claim at the other end when he was, well, <laughs> allegedly pushed no, by, was it Granger? No chance. Lucas? No chance. Pat Fenlon actually nailed it last night on the sports scene when he said the Hearts player, there's two of the Hearts players there, one pushes the other Hearts player into my car. <laughs> so, so maybe that's why it's not being given, but I, I don't know. It's what, it was just, it was a push. Let's face it. Now, whether it's a, a direct push or whether he's used a teammate to push him. Because <laughs> it, it was the one in the middle that knocked McCulloch over, but I think it was the yeah. one at the back that actually got the header. They've done the pushing. Yeah. yeah. Aye, it, it did look like a, a penalty to me, but that that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> you must have been the only man. See if you look at see if you look at the reaction. So any time a penalty's given, I always look at the reaction of you know the the players round about him, and none of the Rangers players, from what I could see, were were even glancing at the referee to try and claim that as a penalty. So I, I, for me, that's uh, that's another one. To be honest, I'd probably have more sympathy, but I was still raging about Hooper getting shoved over the park up in Pudlandry. So. <laughs> Aye, so, right. I've got to say, like, we really should talk about Ian Black a bit, because Laurie will moan if we don't. <laughs> but, like, it wasn't just his goal, which was a cracking finish. I mean, the the highlights showed him clearing one off the line in the first half. And he's he's played that game. He's been off after about 70 minutes, I think it is. And he's played those full 70 minutes with bruised ribs, I think it was. for the. I think when, you're, when hearts are ticking, Ian Black's at the centre yeah. of it these days. I think you've seen that against Dundee United last week when Ian Black went off and just disintegrated. I mean, they managed to hold it against Rangers this time. But uh, he is... I've I've never been a fan of Ian Black's until this season. I'm starting to come round to him now because I think... I had this conversation with Laurie in the podcast a few weeks ago when uh, Sergio was on sports scene and he was talking about how he's been using... what He's been taking Black across in training and trying to make him use his his tenacity and his, his fight for good rather than evil. And I think he's, he's certainly, he's, he's picking up less bookings, I think, now than he has been previously. Made him Maybe he's like still getting a, a few. A super villain. Have, <laughs> <laughs> I really am talking him up too much. Right, let's, let's, let's just stop. <laughs> hey, I, 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 I kind of touched on, on Laurie's comment about uh, Ian Black, but yeah, I thought I would, I'd read out his tweet. Uh, man of the match performance, bossing the midfield, lapping up the booze, that was B-O-O-S, and vanquishing the Jers with a touch of class. So, See, it doesn't matter how much I can talk up Ian Black, I'm never going to be as good at talking about as Laurie. See, I, I, see I, this is the problem with Hearts fans, they're getting carried away. They're carried away too easily on next to nothing. It was all this nonsense the other weeks ago when... when, when um, and Paulo Sergio was in sports scene and they were all just about falling over themselves because he was coming across as such a great guy <laughs> by answering these questions. It's the same way in black. See his goal on Saturday, I don't think he's tried that. You watch the replay again, he's not even looking at the goal when he hits that. <laughs> all he all he's doing is knocking that back into the danger area and the hope that's maybe somebody there to get a foot on it and he's got lucky. He's flicked it. <laughs> uh, that's I, I, I can't you look at a jammer strike for the same sort of position. He's looked up and he's cracked it in the top corner. Oh, Blackstone's knocked this goal and hope for the best. But on the subject of Black, I agree, he's, he's, he's a decent footballer. There's, there's no doubt about that. When he gets his, 
gets his head in the right place and he plays football. He's a decent footballer. But I've also seen the other side of him. I saw him getting, getting more or less getting Keith Lasley sent off up at Fir Park a couple of weeks ago. Lasley was booked <laughs> for two tackles. The first one, okay, he's caught him a wee bit late. But if you look at Black's reaction, he's rolling about like he's been shot. Two seconds later, he's up and he's fine again. <laughs> Tackling the second half, Lasley on Black again. An absolutely, a nothing tackle, a nothing tackle, sure enough. Down the ground, rolling about. Trying to get fellow professionals sent off, so now nah, I, I can't share the, uh, the 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 Hearts fans um, putting this guy up on a pedestal. I think I think once he's a wee bit older and he grows up a wee bit and gets his head straight, he might be a decent player. But at the moment, uh, nah, it's not for me. See if you take me aside at the start of the season and ask me what two SPL players I despise the most. <laughs> Ian Black and Keith Lasley were on that list. Chris, come on, <laughs> Keith, the housewife's the housewife's choice. <laughs> oh, I don't. Keith Lasley doesn't even have the excuse of youth anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just a wee bit late in his uh, timings of the uh, tackling these days as our Keith. But ah, it's, uh, it's, it's old age, he's slowing down. But he's, he's far from a dirty player, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> even though he, would, he did just miss Saturday's game being um, suspended. suspended. But again, it's, it's suspensions picked up <laughs> off, the back of guy, off the back of guys like Ian Black getting them booked. It's really his reputation precedes him. Correct. <laughs> So predictions last week, I, I was I was really quite confident. Rangers seem to be scoring for fun, and uh, I had them down for a three 0 win. Totally wrong there. Greg, you went for a, a one each draw, so you were wrong as well. Chris, you went for a one 0 home victory, so we were all wrong. At least I was right at half time. Yeah. <laughs> Incidentally, I should put the stat in, and it's not my stat. It came from Ian Crocker on Twitter. It's the first time since 1996 that Rangers have been leading at home in the league and lost. Oh. Well, half, leading at half-time, sorry. That's it. Which apparently is 295 games. Yeah. Wow. That is, that's, that's, quite a, that's quite a feat, isn't it? That is impressive. Impressive stat from... from well, we'll give you a, a bit of credit okay. for passing it on. I just hope, uh, hope all these Rangers fans make the most of these impressive stats that they've had over the last 20 years because... Uh, might be another 20 years before you get in like that again. You might get some of those stats rubbed out. Uh, yeah, that's right. Get them get them deleted. Rewrite history. The SPL are joining the SFA. Uh, it was revealed today and investigating back to 1998. And they're only investigating back to 1998 because they can't go any further back. Uh, although it has been confirmed that SFL aren't going to investigate. Ah, see, they're feeling sorry. Everybody's kicking Rangers when they're down. That's what it is. So they're just saying, like, come on, <laughs> they've, they've had enough guys. Just let, let them go. Uh, we'll just get them back. The SFL are saying, what? Just, just let them keep their nine in a row. <laughs> <laughs> that was already tainted by Jim Farry anyway, so it'd be a bit harsh to take it up. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, there was one other thing what uh, Laurie pointed out to me uh, after the game was uh, all those Celtic fans that... Uh, Slating Rangers and stuff. It's, at least Hearts went to Ibrox and won. <laughs> Something Celtic couldn't do. Although I did point out to him that the goals were from Naismith and Yelovich and Lafferty. And how did any of them fare on Saturday? You're just, you're just getting me down now. I, I'm, I, I'm giving you an excuse actually because I mean that's that's four goals that they got against Celtic were those three men and one of them's away, one of them's injured uh, short term and one of them's injured long term. So oh, yeah. Rangers have had a bit of bad luck on, on the park as well as all the nonsense that's going on off the park. Yeah. I, I think they maybe had a couple of recognised strikers there Saturday with the chances they were creating. 
um, they, they would probably have, have, have seen Hearts away. But that this is the issue at the moment. They, they don't have that level of quality in the team just now. And it depends which paper you pick up and put you believe. And the bit I read before I come online, I think this sort of player contract situation still appears to be um, rumbling on, which for me, for a club that's in the administration, is, is just staggering. That they can be they can be hemorrhaging this amount of money and still paying guys, you know, fifteen, twenty grand a week. I, beggars belief. But if, as the reports sort of suggest, they're going to lose even more sort of first team players, then um, it it does start to make things look a wee bit precarious in terms of the in terms of the run in for the season. I find it interesting that the the players are, are having such a big say on the on the potential wage cut and yeah. redundancies because. Well, I think we'll find out tomorrow morning on, on Tuesday morning that they'll all have ticked the box to say no, no wage cut, no redundancies, and then the administrators go, oh, okay, then we agree. It's just the whole thing's just staggering. I, I can't believe that it's taken this long to to try and work out what these cost savings are going to be. Even Motherwell went down this route. I think they announced in the, I think it was probably the Monday afternoon they announced that the administration was happening, and then by the Tuesday lunchtime, 19 players had been released. And I'm not, I'm not advocating that people lose their jobs or get or get, or get sacked or want to see people out of work. But as as administrators, I, I assumed it was their responsibility to stop this. Um, constant stream of cash, which seems to be, you know, dripping out and flooding down the drain. And if it's if it's two weeks down the line, they've not done that. That's another God knows how many tens of thousands of pounds, which have, you know, which could have been saved, which are now been are now been taken out of the club. So the longer it goes on, it just the, the stranger the situation. So seems. they need to save yeah. one million pound a month up until the end of the season, and that's them taking what three weeks so far. So yeah. we're nine days short of the. The, the full month since they went into the administration. Yeah. So you've had the million pound that they're having to save anyway, plus whatever fees that the, uh, the administrators themselves are on. So I'm hearing something like 600 pound an hour. I, yeah, that's, that's ridiculous, yeah. Uh, well, the, the podcast, we record the podcast on the Monday evening, so the, the latest I heard was that we'll hear something Tuesday morning. So, but... Well, I'm sure we were all saying that last week. We're saying maybe Wednesday Aye. was the day. <laughs> We've been saying it for two weeks yeah. now. <laughs> Aye, so the, the final game of the, the SPL weekend took place this evening, and that was Dundee United against Inverness. The game was live on ESPN, but I have to admit that I forgot about it, and I only turned it on about 70-odd minutes in, and I, but I managed to catch Johnny Russell score a superb goal for the third John Daly had it out in the right and, and managed to knock it past the defender quite casually. Crossed down to Russell, who controlled it, maybe with chest or, or high up his foot, and then somehow managed to squeeze through about three defenders and had it in the far post. Ah, it was a superb goal. From what I was hearing in the commentary, I think Dundee United uh, deserved this victory. I think it was a, a bit of a coast for them. But Chris, I understand you watched it. Yeah, I watched most of the game. I, kind of, I think I missed the first couple of minutes, but other than that, I, I watched all of it, and it was just, it was pretty routine for Dundee United. I thought Inverness didn't really offer much. Pernis never really troubled. Uh, the first goal came for Inverness. A bit, uh, Foram has been a bit hesitant with a ball up in the air, and Rankin came jumping in. They were kind of shouting for handball, but it was one of those ones he jumped in. His hands were at his side, and it, he went inside ways, and it kind of hit him. Went about the arm, went about the sort of sort of just left hand side of his back. 
So I think it would be harsh to give a handball. And especially since the, the, he jumped in and the Inverness player had his foot up, they were kicked him in the, the elbow. <laughs> so I think if you're going to give in, you're going to give him the high boot. But I mean, Rankins brought it down, picked his spot, and it's been a top corner finish, cracking first goal. And it, Dunny United just kind of kicked on for there, really. The, the second goal was far too easy as well. It was a free kick, long into the box, headed back across goal, and it was a free header just into the, the bottom corner. It was all all too easy for Dundee United. And uh, I think they're brimming my confidence at the moment. And I'm a bit worried about going up there on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not going to be easy. Uh, well, it never, never is against Dundee United, especially at their place. No, I think we, it was 1-0 we won last time we played up there. It's an early Gary Hooper goal. But uh, I think Dundee United have improved a lot since we played that game. So it's going to be difficult. So in the, the predictor... I'd predicted a 2-1 victory to Dundee United because they, they do seem to be on a, a bit of a run. Greg, you went for a 2-0 victory to Dundee United. And Chris, you went for a 2-0 victory to Dundee United as well. Damn you, Johnny Russell. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it, was a, it was a beauty of a goal. It was, it was a cracker. I was glad I managed to catch it. Did you see the, the bit towards the end of the game where Ryan Essen looked like it handled outside the box? No, no, I didn't see that. To be honest, I was I was doing my my research for the the podcast. It's just very tight, very yeah. tight one. It, it kind of he it, it definitely caught it. Now whether he's released it before he's crossed the the eighteen yard line or not, it was kind of hard to tell for the replay. But he did it so quickly, he got away with it. But it looked like another talking point from the game. I least. think that's an easy decision. To be honest, for a for a linesman or for a referee, is just to not give it. I think you see uh, it a lot when keepers are actually putting out the ball. They come and stand right on the line and then and then uh, put the hand out and then punt it and you do think, oh, wait a minute, that's borderline. But, but the easy answer is just to ignore it and play on because it's very rarely is it ever picked up by the commentators or by the fans. Unless you're a linesman at Celtic Park. Arthur Boric got caught out with that one a couple of years Did ago. Uh, and the replay show, they didn't even get near the line. <laughs> they, just, they just do it. McGregor does it so often. He's sure. right out on the line, and I'm like, look, just take one step back, and then there's not going to be any danger of that. It's funny when you see it, though. The keepers are really good at judging it. Well, I suppose when you do it often enough, you get used to it. Yeah. You know, every inch of your 18 yard box. That's it. That's it. Yeah, they know exactly where their, their goalposts are. It's something that I can never do when I play in goals in, in a game of sevens. I, I very rarely know where my posts are. I'm diving about, and the shot's going maybe a few feet wide. I'm still diving, trying to get a hand on it. So looking back at uh, the Paul Band bet from last week and unfortunately we, we lost again. I think uh, at least a couple lost us. I think we had Falkirk and Cowdenbeath to win. Falkirk lost and Cowdenbeath levelled. So unfortunately another £5 down the pan. But we've got another Paul Band this week. And <laughs> when, when are you going to knock this in the head? <laughs> or when are you going to get rid of Paul Band? Because he's rubbish. Well, I do remember you had a shot, Greg, and you, you were I'd equally like, rubbish. I was, only, I, was only, I was only one week out of about 40, and I noticed you've stopped doing the nothing each. And of course, the last umpteen weeks, there's been a bit there's been half a, a dozen yeah. nothing <laughs> each for us. Yeah, we should just start lumping it in St. Murray. Yeah, that's it. I, well, we thought we could improve things by going for an accumulator. <laughs> Bigger odds. <laughs> Bigger odds, yeah. So we've got we've got four teams this time. We've got Hearts to beat St Mirren. 
in the cup. Got a winner of each. <laughs> we've got Hibs to beat Air in the cup. That's brave. Yeah, we've got Aloha to beat Easterlin in the, in the <laughs> league. <laughs> I, I think that could be okay. We've got Ross County to beat Hamilton. So that's the that's the four teams in the, the Paul Band charity bet. And £5 on that returns £37.29. So I'm hoping that because it is only four games, I'm hoping that it can come up trumps. <laughs> Craig, we've got to be confident. I suppose you've got to be, mate, but... Um, oh, dearie me. Aye, good luck. Good luck. Charity's the winner here, so good luck. To be honest, I think the, the World Division ones are probably pretty spot on. And I think the, the Scottish Cup... It's a bit, it's always dodgy betting in the cup, but I think it's probably going, to, going exactly the same way my predictions are going to go later on. So yeah. <laughs> I can't really argue much. So yeah, moving on to the predictions, I thought we'd start off with the uh, SPL. There's only one game in the SPL this coming weekend, and that is Inverness against Kilmarnock. And I'm going to go for a home win in this one. Uh, both sides aren't they're not having a good time lately, but I think the Inverness will have they'll have the the win in this one. I'm going to go for a 2-0 victory to Inverness. Yeah, I'm going to go 1-0 Inverness, purely because I think Kilmarnock aren't great and they're going to be missing Dean Shields through suspension, so that will not help them. So I'll go 1-0. I don't think Inverness are that great. No. Ah, who cares, you know what I mean? Too bad sides in a game that nobody's interested in because it's the Scottish Cup weekend and any team worth their salt is still in the Scottish Cup, so... Uh, nobody's going to be paying any attention to these two uh, these two diddy sides so probably probably nothing each I think you should stick your fiver on that put, put your paw band on that nothing each garbage <laughs> I take it this is the, the rearranged game for the come on up playing the League Cup the following week because or is this a, another game that's missing just sort of it's been postponed uh, at Fairwell I'm not season. sure to be honest yeah, I'm not sure no to be honest I'm not sure so Greg mentioned that the, it's the, the Cup Cup weekend and the first game up on Saturday and it's on BBC One, kick-off 12.30 is Hearts versus St Mirren. Paul Band has went for a, a home victory in this one and I think I'm going to follow his lead because I think Hearts will be flying high after their, their victory against the Mighty Rangers. I'm going to go for a 2-0 victory to Hearts. We're doing scores. Scores, oh, yes. This could be difficult. It was 5-2 the last time these two met with us in the league. And that was face at Warren being, was it 2-1 up, I think? And Hearts with 10 men. Hearts with 10 men, yep. And they still won 5-2. So, yeah, I've got to just predict the Hearts win as well. Um, I think it'll be close because I think Samson's in form. Well, I'll say 1-0 Hearts. Maybe be 2 oh, relax points. No, you, you, can't, you, you can't do a lot. <laughs> used to do that a lot. He'd, he'd just fire out a few score lines hoping he'd, he'd catch one, but no. You're going to have to stick with 1 0. No, I'm going to edit out no, the 2 0. No. I'm going to edit that out because I'll just chop it. <laughs> I, think that's a, I think that's a bit of a tight one. Hearts at the moment, even though they've, they've come off a really good result at Ibrox, they're a wee bit unpredictable just now. They're up and down. And I know their home form has been reasonably good. Um, but also, I've been impressed with St Mirren this season. They've maybe fallen away, but fallen away a wee bit with the, with the number of nothing each draws they've had recently. But they're, they're playing some decent football. Um, to be honest, I'd love to see St Mirren winning, if, if for the only reason um, 
and to stick it to Hearts, who are, who are charging the who are charging the way supporters thirty quid to go and watch that game. If you buy your ticket for that, if you're a St. Man fan and you wake up the day that game or the day before that game decide to go, it's costing you thirty quid to get into Tyne Castle. So I hope the buddies put one over on them um, and win one nil. So I'm going to go one nil St. Man. Next game up is Air against Hibs, and that's a three o'clock kickoff. I think I'm going to go for an away victory because, well, Ayr aren't doing so well in the second division, Hibs aren't doing so well in the SPL, so they're pretty equal in terms of that. But, but yeah, I think Hibs will come out on top. 2-1 to Hibs. And I'm following Paul Band's lead again because he's went for a Hibs victory in his Paul Band charity bet. Yeah, I can't see past Hibs in this one. Ayr's had a good cup run this year in both the League Cup and the Scottish Cup, but... I seen them in the League Cup semi final against Kilmarnock and they were rotten. And I think they're gonna struggle with Hibs being able to score goals. Hibs aren't gonna be facing Samson, they're not gonna be facing Fraser Forster. So I think they'll get a few goals in this one. So I'm gonna say three one Hibs. I'm gonna go for home side. Gonna go for air. I think they're a, I think they're one of these cup teams um who enjoy the big occasion, enjoy having the having the big teams down there playing against them. And I quite fancy a, a mother will air semi-final so I'm going to go 2-1 here and the next game up on Sunday is Dundee United against Celtic which is a quarter past one kickoff, and it's live on Sky Sports 1 Celtic are, are pushing for the treble I think that they've got the, the league sewn up so I think their focus now will be on the, the cups and I think this is going to be a, a really tough challenge for them Dundee United are really coming on to a game in the, in the league especially so I think they're going to make it difficult for them. Celtic, I don't know, it depends. They, they did drop points at the weekend there against Aberdeen, but other than that, they've been pretty flawless. I think that bubble's going to burst. I'm going to go for a, a home victory. I'm going to go for 2-1 to Dundee United. <laughs> I'm not going to be as pessimistic. I wouldn't be surprised if it went to replay, but I'm going to say an away one. I'm going to say 2-1 Celtic. I don't think we'll play the same fullbacks again. I think Scott Brown will be back. I think Wanyama will probably be back. Uh, I think we will be up for this game, looking to start a new run of wins, and we'll get a 2-1 victory. Yeah, I think I think Dundee United are the only side left in the competition that can probably can probably stop Celtic. I think if Celtic get through this tie, uh, I think they're, they're more, their name's more or less on the cup. In saying that, though, it's going to be um, it's going to be a tricky one at Tannadice. And I think I'm going to go for a score draw. I think I might go to a replay. So I'll go two each. Next game up is Motherwell against Aberdeen. And that's a quarter to four kickoff on Sky Sports 3. I guess this will be part of Sky Super Sunday. I'm going to go for a home victory in this one. I think Motherwell are, are on a very good run. And I think that although Aberdeen are unbeaten this year, I think they, that's going to come to an end here going to go for a stroll for Greg's team I'm going to go 3-0 Motherwell I'm not I'm not that confident about this to be honest and it's it's flying in the face of um, sort of recent history because we've, we've, we've pretty much owned Aberdeen since since Brown left for part to go north but I've just I've got, I've just got a funny feeling the old Diddy will manage to pull out some sort of result and in, in, in the only game that really matters since we've played them I'm not convinced Aberdeen will win though, so oh, I've, I've just got a horrible feeling it's uh, it's another draw. I think there's going to be a 
a desperate midweek trip to Petardry in the cards, so I'm going to go one each. I think I'm right in saying this is the, the first of two games that's between Motherwell and Aberdeen, because there's a plan in the, the league the following uh, week as well. It is, mate, yep. yep. Yeah, I think. I know which one Aberdeen would rather win, but it's going to be this one. Um, whether they'll do it or not, I can't see it. I think Motherwell will win it. I think, well, I think it'll be close, but I think Motherwell are going to end Aberdeen's unbeaten 2012 run. I think it'll be... It might be as close as 1-0. One 1-0 nil. One nil to Motherwell. Right, that's us for our predictions for the weekend, and, and that's us for the this week's podcast. Thanks a lot for coming on, guys. No bother. Yeah, no, no bother at all. Right, cheers, and now I'm going to have to sit down and spend my hours doing the editing where, where nobody will notice, that, but I'll, I do remove some pauses. <laughs> I try and remove a lot of Greg's foul language. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is me toning it down. I, I've still not got my bleep machine working, and I don't know if uh, you listened to the podcast last week, but th- there was an outro that I tried to do with the, the music, but Laurie pointed out that I actually used the intro music, and it also ended very, very abruptly. I don't, I don't know. What, what's that? What's that? I sat was sitting listening to the outro music in a podcast once. All the uh, all the talking's finished. That boy needs to get himself alive. Seriously. <laughs> you say that while you listen to this podcast at all? Uh, well, <laughs> as I mentioned, I only listen to the bits where I'm speaking. I only listen to the weeks I'm on. Thought I'd be a bit brutally honest. <laughs> I'm telling you, it can make you go crazy. I must have spent a few hours editing the podcast and listening to my voice for that amount of time is just too much. I seen you in the forum. You said something like six or seven hours it took you. I'm thinking all in, all in for the 55 minute podcast. Yep. That's... I put together a podcast last week. It took me about 30 minutes. <laughs> but I'm lazy and don't take out all these wee bits and pieces. Yeah. I mean, maybe I should. Maybe I should just put it out raw because, to be honest, we do the podcast start to finish, so there's nothing, nothing that I have to remove. It's just pauses, really. Uh, you don't need to stop for toilet breaks or to open another can of tenants or whatever it is you drink. Well, my days of drinking during the podcast are over because I think I heard uh, some of the early podcasts, Laurie done a, a highlights reel, and when I listened back to my bits when I was talking about the drink I was drinking and I could hear that I was slurring my words. So, yeah, it's just uh, today was a pint of water. That'll do me. <laughs> the hard stuff. <laughs> right, well, thanks again for coming on and hopefully speak to you both next week yep thanks again right cheers, cheers. bye see you later cheers.